0: all right welcome everyone we have a very special uh podcast today we kind of just took two two separate podcasts and smashed them together um we've got julian and i here from the hex drinkers and we have liam and brad from pdh pod uh would you guys mind introducing yourselves to the the Hex drinker audience, and then we'll we'll do uh, vice versa?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Liam. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Papa Command, and I am here to talk about Papa EDH with the new cards that have been downshifted in Double Masters. I do sometimes talk about Papa in like sixty card format, but I'm usually talking about Papa Commander. Passing off to you, Brad.
2: All right, right on. Well, I am Brad. I'm Brad Drack V or Popper B or whatever whatever you know me by on social media. I came from a 60-card popper, sort of competitive background. Uh, Big-time brewer. I've been into PDH probably the last 18 to 24 months, and I'm fully addicted. I've, I've all but abandoned a <laughs> 60-card popper, except for a few uh, paper events here and there.
0: And from the uh, the drinkers, we have... <laughs>
2: Jules
3: here from the uh, the Hex Drinkers. For those of you who listen to the Hex Drinker stuff, you know me. If you are listening because of PDH Cast, then you've come to the right place because I pretty much learned everything <laughs> I know about Popper from these people over here. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I'm Chev.
0: I'm uh, another part of the Hex Drinkers. Uh, normally we cover mostly EDH content, but we've got more and more into to PDH, which kind of led to this whole uh, relationship. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's great. You guys, I love your PDH episodes. They're awesome. I was actually listening to, I think I skipped around to listen to two or three of them today while I was working.
0: Ooh, opposition research. We like it. There you go. Scoping mm-hmm. you informed, out. uh Informed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, were you going to say something else before I, I rudely cut you off to introduce myself? No,
3: I was just going to get into the topic because I figured that we didn't really need to talk about you.
0: That's that's fair. You know, we're, we're straight <laughs> to business here. As Julian mentioned, and as uh, Leah mentioned, we, we w- kind of wanted to join forces to talk about downshifted cards in Double Masters 2. We had a, a slew of cards... That uh, dropped in rarity, so we kind of want to talk about our favorites and the commanders too, because we what got seven new P D H commanders from from this reprint set. Yeah,
3: yeah, seven nice downshifts, pretty exciting. Should we go through the commanders first and then
2: uh, hit all the uh, the regular cards? Yeah, I think that's what we decided on.
0: I popped a a round table order um, in the notes, the the P D H guys, and then and then us, Julian. We'll just go around that way to introduce cards, and then each one of us will kind of introduce it. People will say more if they want. Uh, If we're excited, we'll talk longer. If we're not, we'll move on.
2: Right. Well, I'm jealous because I'm excited about this first one. It is a classic. First up, we have Mentor of the Meek. For two generic and a white, we get a 2-2 human soldier that says, whenever another creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one, and if you do, you draw a card. I am super excited about this one.
3: Those are like my three favorite words in the game of Magic. Draw a card.
2: Right. (laughs) As Julian and I were kind of talking on a... uh, A CPDH
0: Staples podcast yesterday. White is is amazing in, in removal and its versatility. So even though you might originally be a little bit skeptical of a mono white build, having a commander that will draw you cards for all the weenies you play, all the tokens you generate, because it is specifically er, non-token (laughs) or it can be any creature. So it can also be tokens, right? You can get a lot of power from this. And then you're still the colors of journey to nowhere and oblivion ring. Mm -hmm. So you can still deal with your opponent's threats while creating a ton of resources.
2: Yeah. It doesn't say anything about when you cast a creature, it just has to enter the battlefield.
1: You know, I was shocked to see this one downshifted from from rare to uncommon and you know most people won't care that it was downshifted they'll just be happy it's in more circulation but Papa commander folks I just I looked straight at that and I was like what has just occurred I'm honestly pretty excited to build it I'm I'm absolutely getting myself one of those uh, fancy borderless ones and and gonna build the heck out of that commander
0: We've also got a bunch more of those in recent sets, two mana, two one. I think I'm thinking of the one from call time, but like the white weenies that when they hit the board, you draw a card. And so now you can play one of those, draw two cards off your creatures. Like this is, this is beautiful.
2: Yeah. We actually got like, you're talking about one of those creatures in like three consecutive sets. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then just think about setting up some kind of flick a loop, you know, it doesn't even have to be infinite. If you can just do it a couple times, it's, it's just going to be insane. Next one we've got is Body Double, four and a blue for a 0-0 shapeshifter. And you may have Body Double enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature card in a graveyard. So this one's kind of exciting, being able to copy, you know, the the random things that you've already killed for your opponents. The play pattern seems a little bit off because you want graveyards to already exist. So this seems like a commander that isn't going to necessarily be a, a value engine or something that you build around. It seems like something that, is going to be more of a a tempo control deck, then this is the payoff.
3: Yeah, I agree. I'm trying to think of the juiciest target. I mean, we have some draw and discard in blue itself, right? You know, I'm thinking careful study. So if you just dump like a big, dumb Sea Serpent with Hexproof or something in there. Even like Crusher or something too, you know?
1: Yeah, I would for say, sure, you want to include some of those in your own deck to get in there. But even then, just if you can just hit something awful off your opponents...
2: Pretty excited for it, too. I was thinking more of a self-mill strategy, but that may get a little out of my control. I may end up losing the game kind of to myself. So I like Liam's idea of more of a tempo style where this is just sort of slam it down when you need it, or it's just going to be your finisher, one of the two.
0: My mind immediately went to all those big serpents we've gotten over the years with uh, cycling. I know Ooh. a similar self-mill strategy, filling it up with, with some card draw, and then hoping to get in with a commander damage kill. Definitely a unique strategy, the versatility of being able to target your opponent's creatures as well. I think this can have a lot of fun games.
2: Yeah, solid. Next
3: we have Graveblade Marauder. Uh, This guy I believe was a Magic Origins card, hits near and dear to my heart. Uh, So we have two and a black for a Human Warrior, it's a 1-4 with Death Touch. Whenever Graveblade Marauder deals combat damage to a player, that player loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. I'm immediately thinking some sort of Voltron-y thing, right? If we're already trying to uh, drain, we might as well boost this guy up. It's got death touch, so it'll be easier to get through. Uh, I'm just trying to think of what sort of self mill other than, I guess, Corpse Churn is in black. I originally had read it as their graveyard, and if we're doing that, then we can just play control and just kill all their stuff, and then we get extra damage on top. But now that it's our graveyard, whoever's playing it, I need to think a little bit harder. Do you guys have any uh, any ideas? This sounds like, uh, Turbo Conrad. Like, where you're just trying to dump as
1: much of your deck into your grave as possible, and then instead of getting little incremental one-chips, you're just doing it all at once.
0: Right. I think it's also the thing, too, especially in most ways that you're going to be playing PDH, there's not going to be a counter next to someone's graveyard, uh, unless, unless you you think (laughs) in advance of how many creatures are in there. So, this seems like it could sneak a commander damage win out of nowhere. So, uh, I guess a, a warning, if you see this across the table, make sure you're keeping an eye on how many creatures are in your opponent's graveyard. Right. Uh, I'm thinking like any creature with solid ETBs that you're basically just playing like spells. Which one of the versions of Fleshbag Marauder is at common? Fleshbag Marauder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the other ones as well. And all of those where you're kind of just using them for their resource.
1: And, and there are plenty of creatures that enter the battlefield and you know, might put a neg one counter on something, draw a card, a bunch of things that you can just do to get that, that little incremental value throughout the game. Use them as shunt blockers, use them as attackers, and if your opponents kill them, it just it just helps you in the end.
2: Yeah, you're not so much worried about keeping them alive. I mean, you know, in Black 2, we also have all the sacrifice outlets, you know, Deadly Dispute and Village Right, Reckoner's Bargain, all that good stuff. And, and 2, you know, things with, like, self-mill, tortured existence, that sort of thing. So Black has a ton of ways to fill your graveyard, and, and this may be a PDH deck that has 45 creatures in it. You know what I'm saying? Just to make sure that you you have a density, like you were saying, just to get that sort of one-shot kill.
0: Probably have to worry about the rogue bajuka bog, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I wonder how this would do with uh, Relentless Rats or something like that. It always seems to do well with other Black Commanders. I know we have in the competitive database, I believe it's a Grey Merchant of Asphodel Rats deck. Something like that where you've you've got a, a primary win con with the Rats... But as they as they die, as your graveyard fills, you can swing in with Graveblade to to really take it home.
1: I would almost uh, consider Rat Colony as well. Just I know Relentless Rats tends to be the, the de facto better better of right. the two, but Rat Rat Colony just has that extra like you know you can kill it if you want, but it's only going to continue to help me.
0: Next up, we have Scion of Darkness, uh, a bit of a, a crazy one, um, but I, that instantly is making me interested. Three black and five for a 6-6 six, six, uh, creature avatar. Trample, and whenever Scion of Darkness deals combat damage to a player, you may put target creature card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It's also got cycling for three, so... Immediately, I'm thinking I can steal all the ideas Julian thought he could make with Graveblade Marauder <laughs> before he realized he couldn't read. And so then we're trying to kill all of our opponent's creatures so we can get them back with Scion. This, this feels as Eldrazi as PDH can get, and luckily in a color, so you have the most tools available. Uh, this feels a lot like the 1212, which everyone has Annihilator, but whenever an opponent sacrifices a, a permanent or creature, put it back onto the battlefield under your control. This is definitely going to be a, a fun, casual deck. If you build it too gross, people are going to dislike you immensely, but you're gonna have a great time.
2: Yeah, immediately. It's a good way to lose friends, but that's okay. You'll you'll win some games or have fun at least trying. I like this. I, I do like this one a lot. Funny how they gave us sort of three pull creatures from graveyard cards right <laughs> in a row. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go, like, a a discard route to just empty all your opponent's hands as quickly as possible. And that way you have your selection of, you know, you have sort of a buffet of creatures to choose from. But what do you think in there, Julian? Oh,
3: I was going to say, if you go the the mass discard route, you're going to be losing friends even quicker. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
2: Well, I mean, if you're already on that train, might as well ride it. Yeah,
3: that's fair enough. (laughs) I mean, like uh, Liam was talking about earlier, there's plenty of black creatures that are cheap and just have ETBs. And a lot of those are, like, virus beetle from Kamigawa that's, like, it enters your opponents discard a card or something. Mm -hmm. Play enough of those just to deprive your opponents of resources. Of course, you have the bevy of excellent black uh, removal spells to just kill things. If you can essentially play Fun Police on the board, get to your eight mana, which is no small feat, but you can get there. Slam your Scion of Darkness, and theoretically there's no resistance, and then you just immediately take over, you know, using all their tools against them.
2: The Scion of Fun
3: Police.
0: I think it's also uh, probably a, a known fact as well, but of course, since it's a combat damage trigger, uh, just remove something right before it deals damage. You could even remove the blocker since it's got trample; It'll just deal the damage anyway. Uh, and then you can bring that thing back at instant
1: speed. Yeah, could you imagine if your opponent was expecting to trade and you just remove their <laughs>
2: blocker and then put it on the battlefield? On the, That'd just be awful. Yeah, we're just losing friends left and right.
3: I don't believe there's anything that gives double strike in mono black at common,
2: but can you imagine two triggers? Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd be amazing.
3: (laughs) A
0: common extra combat step in black.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think we can move on from the Scion of Darkness to one that'll... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, before we give too many ideas. (laughs) Yeah, before we lose too many friends. We'll move on to Labyrinth Labyrinth Champion. Sorry. For three generic and a red, we get a 2-2 Human Warrior with heroic. That is my favorite magic keyword of all time. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Labyrinth Champion, Labyrinth Champion deals two damage to any target. Of the, I guess, five now commanders that we've seen, that we've read out on the show so far, this feels like the weakest. But it does have heroic, so I'll probably try to build this one first. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys think?
3: I have a few thoughts on this. Obviously, it almost wants you to be that sort of spell slinger thing. We're not doing red-blue And it's not like a gutter snipe where we're getting to deal damage to everyone. So it's not as efficient. Right. But I think if you are doing the heroic thing, and especially if you're utilizing red auras and stuff, you can use that targeted two damage to just remove select blockers and force more of a either a commander damage kill or just a normal combat step kill. I feel like this
2: is just budget Zada. That's a very good comparison.
3: I am really having a tough time
1: justifying playing this over Zada
2: oh no I think if you're looking for that effect Zada is definitely definitely the top choice
3: I don't know I'd say this guy's maybe a little bit more attractive than Zada I mean look at those those deltoids he is pretty ripped he's shredded he does not have the same removal magnet
1: attached to him that Zada does so
3: that's true true
1: you know you 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 could get away with him that way
3: I feel like that's every Voltron commander people like don't think about it you you kill one person with commander damage and then everyone turns and they're like oh well, <laughs> oh, it's a problem. Yep. <laughs> it works
0: once. What
2: do you yeah. think, Chef?
0: I think that's uh, that. That pretty much sums it up. I am usually not found in mono red, so I'm I'm trying to figure out like what are what are the cards that I would kind of play around it. Um,
1: a- anything was that? that anything that says plus n plus n.
2: <laughs> All right, Liam, you want to take uh, the best color pair next?
1: Uh, I can take a mediocre color pair next, sure.
2: <laughs>
1: so we have Ozoff Pontiff. It is a 1 white and a black for a 1-1 human cleric. This creature haunts, which means when this creature dies, exile it, haunting, target creature. When the Orzhov pontiff enters the battlefield, or the creature that it haunts dies, choose one of the following. Creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn, while creatures you don't control get minus 1, minus 1 until end of turn. Now this is an exciting downshift, because... Haunt is a mechanic we have not seen in a while, and I believe has been commented on by uh, Watsy designers that it will not be returning.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. it won't.
1: Partially not because it's a, a bad mechanic. It's it's a perfectly fine mechanic. The issue is tracking. You have you have too many moving pieces. You know, think about the times when, when you have a card that exiles other cards. Where do you put them? Do you put them in exile, or do you tuck them under the card that exiled them? Because usually there might be some other effect, right? Thinking, uh, Gandhi, Lord of Luxury off the top of my head. So the issue with haunt is that when the creature with haunt dies, it gets exiled. But when the creature it haunts dies, in this case the pontiff, doesn't go back to the graveyard. It remains in exile. And that makes it tough as a commander because when when your commander dies, right, you have the option of leaving it there or putting it in the command zone. If you put it in the command zone, the haunt ability will not be able to exile it from the graveyard. You will not be able to haunt with the pontiff. If you choose to exile the pontiff with haunt and put it into exile... When the thing it haunts dies, it doesn't move zones again. It is now stuck in exile. So unless you have a real creative way of remo- putting this back into your graveyard or your hand at common, you're not really going to get that much value off the Pontiff. You haunt with it once, and that's it. Now, it does have that Enter the Battlefield ability, so you could try to do some white-black flickering shenanigans and just not rely on that haunt. But I do want to warn players who are thinking that haunting this is going to be epic, it's not. You're going to be sad.
2: I was very <laughs> sad.
1: That that was definitely me. I did hurt Brad's feelings on Twitter. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I, I monitored that, and I was expecting... Uh, I'm glad you, you brought it up again, Liam, because that was... It is something that people are going to not immediately grasp on a first read-through.
2: Yeah, because I've always been a fan of the Haunt mechanic. It's it's For everything Liam just said, it's not ever going to come back. But just on a on a flavor level, flavor purposes, I think Haunt is a very cool mechanic. That's why I was excited to see it on an Orzhov card, on a Commander, on a new Commander we haven't been able to play with yet. But either way, it's still got good ETB effects. It can be a board wipe. It can be... Minus two, minus two, or minus three, minus three, depending on what you have in your hand. You know, these flicker flicker shenanigans you might have. Uh, you can boost your team quite a bit. So it's got a lot going for it, even if you disregard the whole haunt thing.
0: I was really excited about it for for that ETB because we don't have a lot of anthems at common. There's very few that are, and they're usually sorceries of like creatures getting plus one, plus one until end of turn. And then especially when it comes to removal, you're either dealing with things like fiery cannonade that's like two damage to all things, or crypt rats, or something like that. So this, like one-sided board wipe, is very nice. I see this as kind of a spell in the command zone. Like I'm not looking to play this early, but I'm looking to play it on one turn, flicker it multiple times, use a sack outlet and one of the like feign death abilities that we find it common a couple times. Anything to kind of like boost a massive board of, of maybe flying tokens and just swing for
3: lethal.
2: Yeah, I don't think you want to pull this out of the command zone unless your board is like well established, like you're ready to ready to rumble.
3: This is just a you know a better jet mirror, really, right, Jeff? yeah <laughs> yeah i i agree with everything that's been said i just want to flicker this a bunch and, and and attack for a lot of damage that's it i'm a simple man
1: i'm just imagining falconrath noble on the field with this
0: Ooh, yeah that's... i know i
1: know Falkenrath is just a target player but just hit each player for the amount of creatures that they had oh token player you a greedy lose 60 life like
3: <laughs> that is the not so friendly side of Warzov, the uh, the taxes side yeah let's go to a, a color combination that's just always nasty uh, that's that's golgari we have the lotleth troll <laughs> Uh, So this is a creature zombie troll for a 2-1. It's got trample. We can discard a card and put a 1-1 counter on it. And we can also pay a black to regenerate it. This is pretty sick. So Chev and I were talking just yesterday about some sort of pdh staples and we were mentioning how green is kind of underrated in like all the good auras it has and when you have a regenerating which is another mechanic that wizards i believe has stated uh, is not going to come back because it's we got uh, shield counters yeah, i think yeah, that's, that's a, the closest we're going to get about <laughs> it but yeah when we have an easy way to protect our troll trample and we can we can grow it itself while also you know like i said utilizing uh, auras and stuff this is just seems like a nice easy way to uh, punch through and better than some of the previous ones that we've seen that have only been single a singular color this is two colors and two very good colors
2: yeah two very good i'm
1: i'm just thinking it's got evasion it's got protection and it has a way to pump itself up at two mana like i'm i'm really struggling to find a a golgari Commander in my head that like does that much for so little.
0: Yeah, all my mind is going to those, uh, what, Dina and um, Witherbloom Apprentice in terms of doing stuff. So. I, I totally agree. I uh, So for last year, the Hex Hexdrinkers did a Secret Santa swap of decks. One of our other uh, co-hosts, Oakley, he gave me a Thrun the Last Troll EDH deck. Thrun, I honestly just see as a big version of this troll, except <laughs> it's got a uh, proof and can't be countered. But that regenerate ability is what you're using more often than not, yeah, so having this and a way to kind of grow it within I'm also really liking the discard for there's a couple good madness creatures I'm thinking in here, like big game hunter
2: grave scrabbler is a good one
0: yes, so you can you can't you can't pull as much of the madness as you can with like a Rakdos Azra odds maker deck, but you can still sneak some out to the surprise of a lot of your opponents,
2: yeah, and then you could just get them back with tortured existence and. You're good yep, to go. Yep. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a nice duality, right? Because you can you can do the straightforward Voltron thing, but like we're playing Golgari, we're playing the Rock. Like it's it's just a mid range deck at heart, so you can grind all day. I love it. Well, I believe that's it for the new commanders. Should we should we talk about the real meat and potatoes, the stuff that's going in the
2: '99? I think we should.
0: If you don't want one of those seven, we've got uh, we've got plenty more cards that that you can can kind of play with. Starting off the commons, I'll I'll, I'll jump in since I. Uh, was gypped an 8th uh, commander to talk Boo-hoo. about. I know. Instead, <laughs> I have to, to talk about Militia Bugler. 3-mana, human soldier, 2-3, vigilance. And when Militia Bugler enters the battlefield, look at the top 4 cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card with power 2 or less from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So I could talk a lot about this or I could just say mentor the meek and end the (laughs) section there (laughs) because this is perfect for those kind of strategies of tutoring up uh, those small creatures and plays really nicely with that new commander we got.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know yet. I guess I've never thought about having this sort of effect at common, especially not in like 60 card, you know, popper. So I've never really tried to brew with anything like this. And all I've ever really played is popper. So I've never played like modern or a couple games of legacy here and there. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with it yet, but I'm hoping that you guys will ghoul me on that here shortly in a couple minutes.
1: I have mixed feelings on this card because while it looks really good, like it, it reads really nicely, I think it's going to perform better in 60 card popper than it will in PDH unless you specifically build around the two or less. So if you are putting this in Mentor of the Meek, 100% should be in there. I love it for that deck. But if you're just kind of throwing it into any any white deck, I, I would not do that. I have played plenty of draft decks where Militia Bugler just reads, enter the battlefield, look at the bottom four cards, of your library.
2: The Augur of Bolas problem? Every time. I
1: think <laughs> unless you're really strictly building around it, I don't think it'll be that fantastic but I do think that the decks that can take advantage of it are going to love this.
3: Yeah, I agree. Top four is nothing to snuff at. That's that's impulse, and there are a bunch of smaller creatures, especially in PDH, but... Top four is still really good, but you need to have uh, the density. It's a non-negligible deck-building concern.
2: And then if you don't have it in, in PDH, I feel like if you don't have it on the board early enough, then your deck is just full of little bitty creatures that you just have to draw every turn. All right, I think it's my turn. I think we're back around to the start here downshifted all the way from Oath of the Gatewatch. We have Relief Captain for two generic and two white. We get a three, two core knight ally. When Relief Captain enters the battlefield support three, which is you put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to three other target creatures. So you can't have one gigantic core knight ally, but you can have boosted a few creatures around them. I feel like I was actually fooling around with this deck earlier. Uh, deck I'm going to play on Saturday, my Reverent Hoplite deck that makes tokens based on your devotion to white. I think I may try that, this card in there, strictly for the devotion, uh, maybe for the plus one, plus one counters. But outside of that, I'm not super excited to brew with this one. What do you guys think?
0: I definitely think it's it's very situational, um, kind of like uh, Liam was talking about Mi- Militia Bugler. What's coming to my mind is uh, Hamza, uh, the legend from Mander Legends, the first one, which, of course, uh, creatures cost X less to ca- X generic less to cast where X is equal to the number of creatures you control with 1-1 counters. So it's this interesting deck where you're p- distributing 1-1 counters as much as possible across your entire board as opposed to anything big for maximum benefit. And so for something like that, this is a, a great piece.
1: Support is massive in that deck, and I unclear if my Hamza deck has any support three in it. I think it's all support one and support two at common.
2: So. Yeah, I think that's all we've got in a common, isn't it? I don't know if you've had a, anything above two that I can think of anyway.
0: And it's the kind of thing that snowballs pretty easily, too, in that kind of deck, where you might be playing Relief Captain four two white, and then you're able to just enable much, much more.
1: Yep. No, we just got support two. So this is the first support three we have, and it's oh, I'm so excited to put this in there.
2: Yeah, so at four mana, you get six power worth of, of, of stats, basically. No, at that's, two that's pretty... mana, you get six power worth of stats.
1: Yeah, I guess it could be two <laughs> mana. <laughs> Next, we've got Advanced Stitchwing, three blue blue for a three-four zombie horror. I believe this is coming to us from Eldritch Moon, flying, and it has two and a blue, discard two cards, return Advanced Stitchwing from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Uh, that would be amazing if this were black because then it could go into Conrad. (laughs) But unfortunately, it's it's blue and doesn't go into Conrad. There's no real mono-blue commander that cares about discarding cards, is there?
2: Maybe body double? Yeah, body
1: double. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs)
3: Can I interest you in um, Tormod and uh, Ghost of Ramirez de Petro?
1: There
2: you go.
3: Boom, we broke it. Boom. (laughs) We broke Tormod. (laughs) Got there. Yeah, the next one is also a blue card. It's Jeskai Elder. One and a blue for a human monk. A one, two, it's got prowess, and whenever uh, Jessica Elder deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card, and if you do, discard a card. Um, nice little limited sort of fodder. We like filtering. You know, we like prowess, but uh, personally, I don't think this is breaking any metas anytime
2: soon. No, I'm I'm with you. I was so like not excited about this spoiler that I was surprised it was actually a downshift. I guess I just assumed it was a common the whole time it's been in existence. They made
3: cards differently back in cons. I, I remember because <laughs> yeah.
2: that's when we started playing and there's been power creep, let's say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think my biggest comment on this and is the biggest sin that, that Watsi has done in, in recent years is prowess when it came out was deciduous as a mechanic. And then they made it is its evergreen mechanic, which was fantastic. And it showed up as a on two or three cards every couple sets, right? And then they removed it because it quote wasn't doing what we want it to do. And I'm just like, What? Like prowess is amazing. Um so I will absolutely shoehorn this into any of Blue X spells deck because I like prowess.
2: No, I absolutely love prowess. I just this particular creature just I always I don't know. I guess I never th- realized it was un- uncommon.
0: Moving on to a, a, another card that I'm uh, more excited to have a common, Carrier Thrall. Black and one for a 2/1 vampire. When Carrier Thrall dies, create a 1/1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token. Um, I'm a big Eldrazi fan as we we covered already in this podcast. This little guy is just like the bread and butter you hope for some some big aristocrat deck because, you know, it's two bodies for the price of one and one comes in as a lame treasure. So, so <laughs> I I think There's nothing that's coming to mind that's like immediately uh, trying to find a home for this because um, the only thing I kind of brought up prior to us recording, uh, Shiree only cares about power of one. So having a power of two takes it off the board for that. Um, But it is a good piece to have and it it nets you a couple of creatures, nets you a couple of dice triggers. uh, Just a good foundational piece in some black decks that care about that.
2: I agree. I like that it's a vampire could be a relative or relevant creature type if you're if you're into building those sort of decks. I think more so carrier thrall and Jeskai Elder it feels like WotC just sort of gave us downshifts that were bombs in their in their own limited environment. They're not not good cards. They're just not meta shaking or anything like that. But it's cool. I'm always happy to get more sacrifice fodder and like you said it's a 2 for 1. It seems like watsy has been on a kick the last year or so with, with printing nothing but sacrifice, fodder, and treasures. So yeah, I'm sure this fits in there somewhere. Next, we have Liliana's Elite for two generic and a black. It's a 1-1 one, one zombie. Liliana's Elite gets plus one, plus one for each creature in your graveyard. I think that goes really well with the—I uh, already forgot his name, but the graveyard coming— The Blade Marauder. Yeah, the Marauder from earlier. Yeah. It seems yeah. like it fits pretty nicely there. Other than that, it's a zombie. I always wanted a the White of Precinct 6— that works off creatures in your opponent's graveyards. I always wanted one for us at common, but we didn't have one. I don't think until now. So I'm pretty excited about this one. What do you think?
3: Yeah, it goes in the Graveblade Marauder deck. It is a, a relevant creature type. It's got good flavor text. So
1: moving on to the next one, we've got Seeker's Squire, one in a black for a one-two human scout coming all the way from Ixalan block. When Seeker's Squire enters the battlefield, it explores. Exploring, for those who do not remember, is revealing the top card of your library. Put that card into your hand if it's a land. Otherwise, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. Then put that card back or put it into your graveyard. I'm particularly excited for Seeker Squire because one of my pet PDH decks is uh, Shire. Now, something to, to note is this is a one-power creature, and Shire only cares about the power of creatures as they existed on the field, not what they were in the graveyard. And when a player begins to explore, no interaction can be done until exploring is done. Which means if you are putting this in Shirei, you must be careful. You get that into the battlefield, it explores on the stack, and then you immediately sacrifice the Squire. Because if you hit that non-land, it will become a 2-3, and you will not be able to return it with Shirei. But I'm basically seeing this as uh, another entrance the battlefield draw card effect, because you're either putting a land in your hand, or you're going to scry a card you don't need onto the bottom, or into the graveyard. I'm still looking for the, the right repla- uh, replacement for it, uh, but I should hopefully have that by July 8th. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a small little black creature that does a thing on, on ETB. I think the best place for it is going to be decks that can really abuse that
3: trigger. Other, so I think it's it's really, it's, it's charade or bust for a <laughs> squire.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right. Next
3: up, we've got the uh, the Vampire Sovereign. So we're going from very small to uh, a little bigger. This is five mana, three in double black for a Vampire Noble. So once again, relevant creature types. Flies. It's a three-four, and when it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses three life, and you gain three life. This is a limited card. I I, I don't really want <laughs> to play this. I'm not gonna
2: lie. <laughs> I'm always a sucker for drain your opponent for any amount of life, so I'll probably play it, and I usually play those types of cards, these types of cards, until I realize they actually are terrible, and I just play better cards. Alms of the Vein and Sovereign's Bite, all those kinds of cards. So I I, I play them until I'm tired of them losing me games, basically.
0: Yeah, my mind is jumping to how many uh, effects can you do where, if it would die, bring it back to the battlefield, trying to use that black version of Flicker to have an opponent lose as much life as possible. Uh, I think you're just better off playing uh, Gray Merchant of Asphodel for the same cost, yeah. <laughs> in the same deck, hundred um, percent. But maybe some redundancy kind of helps with those strategies. I think it's I think it's an okay card, but it's a little lacking. Now we're going right from that to a bit of a heater, a uh, a downshift from rare. Really, dang, Dark Dweller Oracle, red and one for a two two Goblin Shaman, tap one, sacrifice a creature, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. One of the first. I think instances we had of like red impulse draw where, you know, you have a, a turn or two turns to to play the cards you get. And with a pretty easy cost, it can be a, a pretty consistent sacrifice outlet as well. I'm sure there's there's better decks for this, but my mind is immediately going to the, the red uncommon legend from Dominaria, who you, you put a bunch of equipment in auras and when he attacks, you make three ones equal to the number of equipment on him, I think.
1: Yeah, vo- uh, Vodok.
0: So that kind of deck is always looking for ways to kind of use these creatures after that initial attack, and I think this is a great use case for it.
1: For sure. Yeah, nice reference. I'm just really excited to play this in 60 card. It's so good. <laughs> it's just that impulse draw being being downshifted repeatedly on a sac outlet. I, I'm just in awe that this actually got all the way down to common and not just uncommon.
2: Next up, we got Lava Coil. For generic and a red, it's a sorcery that deals four to a creature, and if it dies, you exile it. This card is good. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. I agree with the motion.
1: I, I am just upset that it was not previously a rare because I have I, I have this uh, PDH uh, partner battle box that I'm putting together and the Rogarak uh, side is not actually going to be like a, a Voltron. It is a, a rare promo. So all the cards have to be commons but they also have to have some kind of promo printing where they had a rare set symbol. And Lava Coil has that media insert printing, but it was an uncommon, and I'm just so upset by that.
3: Just color the the symbol and get like a gold (laughs) Sharpie or something. Just alter it. I I have a gold Sharpie, yeah. (laughs) I'll take
1: us on to uh, the next card, which is Living Lightning. It is three and a red for a 3-2 elemental shaman. When this card dies, you return target the sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So it's kind of like a reverse Archaeomancer, just instead of when it enters, it's when it dies. I still think that's a really good effect that we don't have enough of at a reasonable mana cost. Once you get to five mana or more, it becomes too much, de- depending on the spell you're getting back. So I think that four mana or lower is is where you really want to be. And even on a dice trigger, I still think that's a really good effect. I'm looking forward to shoehorn this into
2: the eventual uncommon Chandra deck that I build. Yeah, wasn't um, Ardent Elementalist? Wasn't that? Isn't that five mana? I think. No, that one was a. Was it four? That one was four.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a five mana one from sets long far past yeah,
2: yeah, yeah revolutionist or, or something like that yeah, yeah yeah, living lightning does work well with dark dweller oracle so mm-hmm. got there got him oh my god the combo i wasn't interested and now i'm very interested <laughs>
1: what if you sacrificed the living lightning to the dark dweller oracle getting back your lava coil
3: oh god and then you cast it with uh this next card on the field so this next card right this next <laughs> one dark dweller oracle we were like we're excited to play that in uh especially in 60 card lava coil said it was good uh, you can say both of those things about this card. Uh, it's Monastery Swiftspear. hey Singular red for a human monk, 1-2, haste and prowess. This thing has done a lot of damage to people over the, uh, you know, seven or eight years that it has been legal in formats. And it's earned it. This is a, it was a standard staple. It is a modern staple. I, I think it even gets seen play in Legacy. I think this is actually going to mostly shine in 60 card popper where you can play full play set of these and just have uh, you know, full play sets of the most efficient draw and obviously lightning bolts style effects and just go fast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think Popper Burn just became a turn three deck. Oh, we're just playing modern now. It's fine.
1: Thanks to its uh, Valentine secret layer printing last year, this card will be going in my Rograck half deck. <laughs> I, I am still looking forward to this Not deck nice. in 60 card and in just PDH because, you know, it's prowess. It's it's going to be good.
2: Card's good.
3: Yeah, I think that's I think that's all that
0: needs to be said. Kind of jumping similarly, Pirate's Pillage. A sorcery for a red and three as an additional cost to cast a spell, discard a card, then draw two cards and create two treasures. Pretty much a bread and butter uh, infrastructure card. Plays a little extra nice in red, black, madness decks like Azure Oddsmaker because of that discard trigger, but drawing two and creating two mana as well is. Just a, a pretty good effect that you might want in in red. And then, of course, we have from Baldur's Gate that new Reckless Fireweaver as well. So if you're trying to do any sort of shenanigans with treasures and dealing damage equal to artifacts, uh, it's got a little bit of good synergy in there as well.
2: Yeah, we seem to have a handful of these effects sim- similar to these effects lately with like big score and unexpected windfall and all that sort of stuff. So
3: One word. Good dargo, dargo. <laughs> oh there you go got there
1: i say well this is going in uh captain vargas uh because that deck is all the cards have to uh, come from the ixalan block or i have ixalan art uh so i get a little bit of commander legends there so i'm excited this is a downshift from uncommon to be able to put in that deck
2: there you go we're just filling out decks left and right aren't we oh
1: th- this set was just in like every one of these commons has a deck it's going into it's fantastic
2: <laughs> yeah. amazing Thanks. All right, yep, next we have Perforosa's Emissary. For 3 and a red, we get a 3-3 three, three Ox, an enchantment creature ox. With Bestow, for 6 generic, and a red, it becomes a uh, an aura if you cast it for its Bestow cost. Otherwise, it has Menace, and if you cast it for its Bestow cost, the enchanted creature gets plus 3, plus 3, and has Menace. I'm a sucker for auras and enchantment creatures and all that stuff, but I've, I've never fallen for the Bestow cost being through the roof like that. I'll, I'll probably never cast that. But I don't, I don't mind a 4-mana 3-3 three, three. that's an enchantment. You know, if I'm working on those kind of synergies, I don't think it goes in every single red deck. I'm trying to think of any red deck that uh, that would, and so my mind is going to like a red-white deck maybe. Maybe red-green with like an Ancestral Mask or something, something crazy. You know what I mean? Ooh, something okay. wild. Okay,
1: yeah. I do think it has merits in in Valdok because it gives Mm -hmm. him plus two, plus three and menace. I mean, the bestow cost is through the roof and you have to think about that. But, you know, Valdok being a removal magnet, having an aura in that deck that doesn't immediately get removed when Valdok does seems pretty good. Especially giving him a relevant keyword and one heck of a boost.
3: I always forget that bestow works that way. Just like, oh, uh... Well, I, I'm still here, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: why the cost is so much, because you're already looking at a 4-mana, 3, three mana creature, but you get that extra benefit of it's temporarily an aura until the thing it's enchanting goes away. Uh, next, we have Experiment 1, which is drawing a lot of interest. It is a single green mana for a 1-1 one, one. human ooze. It has Evolve, which says whenever a creature enters under your control, if that creature has greater power or toughness than this creature put a 1-1 counter on this creature. And you can remove two plus one plus 1 counters from Experiment 1 to regenerate it. It's definitely going in my Hamza deck, but I'm not sure if it's going in Mowu, just because it doesn't have a way to protect
2: Mowu. That's fair. I think the card's good. I've literally never played with it. I think I had at one point the pre-con, the Commander precon that this came in. But I don't think I ever actually played a game with that precon, so needless <laughs> to say, it does look fun. I think it'll make small waves, maybe ripples in 60-card pop or like Stompy or something like that. I'm just glad they reprinted it with the promo of it.
3: Wait, sorry, do you mean the inferior art? Oh, oh, is <laughs> oh. gonna start fights. The other one's more fun though.
0: The like, or, or at least okay. So we're we're looking at a human ooze, but this thing looks like a fish guy. Where's, where's my fish type? But it's, it's
1: also Simic, and Simic humans all have some kind of mutation or modification. So you got to you gotta. Look. Oh, I thought that was the ooze part. Well, that is. The, you have, do you see his legs? He's got like eight of them.
0: <laughs> so you're saying he's part octopus then. That's we got the some news. octopus in there as well. Anyway, what do we got next, Julian? Yeah,
3: I was going to say, the Spearman one is cool, right? I think it'll be good in 60 card personally. It'll punch hard, but this card just always punches hard. Uh, this is actually one of the cards I'm most excited for. It's a Gnarlback Rhino. Two and two green for a Rhino 4-4. Four four. It's got trample, and whenever you cast a spell that targets it, draw a card. So it's got that pseudo heroic, and don't get me started on the fact that, like, Wizards just doesn't print keywords in sets that don't have them as a mechanic. <laughs> it's just, it really bugs me. It, it bugs me, too. I just want my most efficient scryfall searches, okay? But this is a sick card. 4-4 with trample is nothing to shake a stick at in a format like PDH, and being able to play it, because I believe previously it was an uncommon now being able to play it at common in a deck that can have multiple colors, a green-blue deck, a green-red deck where we're, we're casting pump spells and stuff, that's interesting way more than having this as uh, the commander. And, I don't know, it provides a very real card advantage for a rock of a card. Yeah. Seder
0: Enchanter is salivating a little bit. All right, sounds like that's the, the silence of good. Good. <laughs> What else is good is Might of Old Crota. Oh my Got god, that a common out. One green instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If you cast this during your main phase, gets plus four, or plus four instead. Chev, just target gnarlback Rhino. Hit you for eight. Draw a card. Boom.
2: They're just printing combos. I'm just looking forward to the uh, sixty card infect implications. Oh, oh
3: god, that's horrifying. Oh, why did you say that? Oh no.
2: Once an hour, I think he's legally obligated to mention infect.
3: <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me,
1: but but my favorite three mechanics infect storm and affinity so so
3: you have a lot of friends is what i'm hearing
1: uh, No, i have no friends.
3: <laughs> then do we have the new commander for you <laughs> he, he looked at the storm scale and he was like what are the tens i want those ones. what are they never going to reprint <laughs> all right so what's the consensus card good oh yeah good reasonable.
2: reasonable card reasonable i think
3: it's a 60 card card i i'm generally not looking to play combat tricks in pdh
2: all right, next up, we have a Human Warrior. It's Tusk Guard Champion. For two and a green, we get a 2-3 with Outlast Green, which means you can pay a green and tap it to put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature, and you can only do that as a sorcery, but it also says each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it also has Trample. I think this plays well in so many green X or mono green PDH decks that it's you could spend a two-hour show just talking about.
1: If your deck plays around the
3: one-one counters, this just goes in it.
2: Absolutely. This is a huge pickup. I thought this already was a common. I mean, we already
3: talked about Hamza, and then I have a soft spot in my heart for Grumgilly. Oh, there you go. (laughs) My only comment on Tusk Captain is I think it's a a little too late for it.
1: And the only reason I say that is because Outlast being a sorcery is a sin. But in addition, I think this one has been downshifted for a good reason, because ever since Fire Design... We've been getting uh, more and more creatures that enter the battlefield, put a counter on something. Not necessarily themselves, but it could be. And then also have that line of text of each creature control with a 1-1 counter on it has Trample.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, the three that come to mind that I have in multiple decks are uh, Dusk Shell Crawler, Pride Malkin, and uh, Gnarled Colony. I just think that the Outlast on this just hurts it. Because I would rather have a card that I did not pay the kicker cost for than I would have a card that has Outlast. So while it is exciting, I just think three slots that do that ability is already more than enough.
3: Hey, hey, hey. You be nice to my boy.
1: Next, we have uh, Web Weaver Changeling. This is a three green green, three five shapeshifting creature. It has changeling. It has reach. And whenever Web Weaver Changeling enters the battlefield, if there are three or more creature cards in your graveyard, you gain five life. This is a weird effect for green to care about.
2: Yeah, it literally, I only care about two of the three things here changeling and that it has reach
1: i just i don't know about this like the
2: changeling like brad said is the only
1: thing really relevant here and tribal as a mechanic isn't really a big thing in pdh like unless your commander is huge on tribal we don't really have generic tribal
3: but this is an elf yeah yeah (laughs) big elf okay but i'm not paying five mana for an elf that's fair enough (laughs) that's generally not what they want to do it's a weird collection of things it blocks for days so let's get into our, uh, our, our multicolored cards. First off, we've got Liev Sky Knight, which is an Azorius card for one white and a blue. It's a, a human knight. It's got flying, it's a three one. And when this ETBs, you can detain target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Uh, detain being until your next turn, that permanent can't attack, block, or activate its abilities kind of like this card. It's not flashy, but it's a, a nice little way to uh you know ice something down. And I like that we can hit permanence as opposed to, you know, just uh creatures. And you know, a 3-1 flyer, that's that's a reasonable amount of damage.
2: Yeah. And it's in the absolute flicker colors. So you could do it multiple times if if you need to. Heads up new soul hodo target. Alright <laughs> <laughs> I think the card looks pretty decent. Uh, card good.
0: Up next we got a Fireblade Artist, black and a red, a human shaman, two two haste and at the beginning of your upkeep you may sacrifice a creature when you do fireblade artist deals two damage to target opponent or planeswalker so in the 99 it's probably fighting for spots with a lot of other things uh 2-2 with haste is is nice but the once a turn cycle bit of a, a hard pill to swallow to just deal two damage to something it seems like it might be nice in the 99 of a deck that is just constantly sacking or a constant number of tokens or something but i'm not sure it's going to stop any presses anytime soon
2: yeah, I'm with you. We were just talking about the one or the Oracle from earlier. It seems like Watsi is either downshifting or printing so many new sacrifice outlets that do things on their own that are so much better than this mm-hmm. effect of doing two damage to whatever you know i know this is a downshift but if it was two damage to each opponent then we might be having a different conversation you know what i'm saying right, but right as it is you're right it's probably going to fight for spots in the 99 that's about all i can say for it. it is another sacrifice outlet but the timing is kind of awkward
1: i agree entirely that this is going to fight for a spot in the 99 in, in pretty much every deck i can think of except for my jury deck all the Commando Legends, uh, legends I build them around uh, cards that are thematic to their plane. Mm, Some of these yeah. Legends, like Captain Vargas, only get to really pull from two sets, the Ixalan block and uh, Commander Legends. But Jury gets to pull from three Ravnica blocks, and Fireblade Artist was an uncommon in Allegiance. So now that has been downshifted here, it's now going in that deck. And try to think off the top of your head how many common sacrifice outlets are in the three Ravnica blocks. Yeah, there's two. So Fireblade Artist being a third one
2: is is nice. (laughs)
3: Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad somebody's going to use this guy because we said he's going to fight for spot in the 99. I think he's going to lose most of those fights.
2: I'm not even sure he'll do super well in 60 card popper. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I'm definitely going to put it in the cube, you know, the popper cube. So next up, we got Chronicler of Heroes. For a generic, a green and a white, we have a 3-3 centaur wizard that says when Chronicler of Heroes enters the battlefield, draw a card if you control a creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Same sort of synergy as the Tusk Guard, Captain. I don't know. I like it. It's in the colors of making tokens and making counters. Yeah. And it's a 3-3 three, three for 3. So I'm not sure you can really go wrong. I don't know what, what sort of deck this is this is going in because I don't typically play or build Selesnya unless it's dedicated, you know, enchantments or auras. So what do you guys think? Hamza. <laughs> I think the things that excite me about this is that whenever I see a card
3: that's not like blue or black that says draw a card at common, I, I get excited. Also, we've talked about this for a lot of creatures, but it's in the colors of white. We can do flickery things, and it doesn't say a different creature. If you have one creature and you flicker this three times, that's three cards. So
1: I'm only sad it's from Theros and not Turkey. Can't put it in Hamza. That'll do it. All right, next up, Call to the Feast. It is uh, two white and a black for a sorcery. Creates you three 1-1 white vampire creature tokens, and they also have lifelink.
2: Yep, I love it. Everything about it. Yeah, it's a very good rate for tokens. You know, a relevant creature-type token with lifelink. Commanders like Minthara that boost your creatures, quote-unquote, permanently love it. Any sort of Anthem effect, yeah, so I'm definitely on board with this.
0: Uh, Julian, is it Thay Elise, the Commander Legends one? That's like eight yeah. spirits equal to the number of tokens you made this turn? I
3: was just going to mention that. I did have a Felice deck for a while, and this is oh, like nice. an auto-include in that deck. It's also really good with the next card, Cartel Aristocrat. Yeah. For, for a white and a black, we have a Human Advisor, a 2-2. This is a free sacrifice outlet. Sacrifice another creature, uh, cartel aristocrat, gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Now, obviously, we can protect the cartel aristocrat, right? I'm sure they're going to pay us a lot of money. Uh, but really, we just love being able to sacrifice creatures for free. There's a lot of things that proc off that.
2: Yeah, a ton of things. A ton of cool things.
3: That is for sure. No Orzov bias whatsoever. No, <laughs> no, none at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think this is just huge because it's another free sack outlet. There's really not that many, and this is a notable one
2: and you don't have to wait for something to target the aristocrat if i want to sacrifice three creatures in one turn i'll give her protection to white three times or red white and blue or or whatever you can just do it
3: you can really flex and just like sacrifice like three or four creatures and just be like i'm just hitting you for two and you just you just can't block pretty much
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right up next we have a blood water entity a one blue red uh, elemental two two, flying prowess an ETB's put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library you're paying one less for a archaeomancer that puts it to library so that's a little bit annoying but having a flying prowess creature in the colors that you're most likely going to be playing a ton of instants and sorceries I feel like the cursion is almost just like an extra benefit to a creature that is going to be hard to block and will swing for a lot of damage.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're in the colors of Heavy Draw, even in red now. We got a lot of draw spells, but mainly Blue Draw. So even if you do have to put it on top of your library, it's not like you won't have access to it that same turn.
1: It is notably the best uncommon from Out of Devastation, having that prowess ability.
2: Yeah, I was literally (laughs) about to build this as a commander like two weeks before Double Masters was spoiled.
3: One of my favorite things about going through a lot of these reprints, specifically the creatures, are they are creatures that are... Interesting and good, but they just compete with slightly better versions of themselves at uncommon. Mm -hmm. So now that we have them at common, I can put this in my Crackling Drake deck, right? Which I would argue is probably the best red, blue, instance of sorcery sort of thing. But now we just have Bloodwater Entity, which synergizes, gets us something back, has prowess itself. I can just put it in there now instead of having to worry about those two conflicting.
2: Before you had to have a Bloodwater Entity deck or a Crackling Drake deck. Now you kind of have them both. Exactly. All right, next up, if Monastery Swift Spear didn't almost set Twitter on fire, this was was the runner-up because they were both pretty much spoiled at the same time. Is it Charm? Just a blue and a red, we get an instant that says choose one, counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays two. Is it Charm deals two damage to target creature or draw two cards, then discard two cards this card is very good. I'm really bad at gauging these sorts of cards for PDH specifically, but I know this is going to do some serious work in 60 card uh, popper. What do you think, Chev? Completely
0: agree. I, <laughs> anytime a card has more than two modes, it's it's going to be a very powerful effect to have. And when you've got like Spell Pierce attached to a Shock, attached to a, a Draw 2, Discard 2, this, while it's not going to win any awards by itself, I don't know of, of any blue-red deck that wouldn't want to play this card with that versatility uh, attached.
1: As the uh, resident it player of the PDH pod, I will say that uh, this is in fact good. Card good. We'll be going in every it deck that I have that the Cud pool allows. I am shocked. I knew at some point, the the original Ravnica charms would be kind of power crept a little and, and a couple might be downshifted but I did not expect the first one to be Izzet charm
2: <laughs> yeah right <laughs>
1: the the one in my head that's like probably going to be the last one to be downshifted if ever is going to be Boro's charm because that indestructible effect is just really good but like I had it charm as like number eight number nine to be downshifted and it being number one is just
0: it's crazy starting strong so they can sneak the rest in
2: they're going to see if Is it Charm breaks the format in half, and if it doesn't, they're going to downshift the rest. Right? I mean, between like Is it Charm and Bloodwater Entity and Monastery Swiftspear, they basically downshifted us a whole deck almost. Very heavy-handed of you, wizards.
3: They're like, this is what we want you to play in blue red.
2: Liam, you're the resident resident Is it player. Now you get a Golgari card.
1: I know it makes me sad. I was kind of kind of jealous. Uh, so Golgari turns out bad color combo. Here we have Dreg <laughs> Mangler. At uh, one black and a green for a 3-3 plant zombie. It has haste, which is relevant, I guess. And then it has this other mechanic, scavenge, for three black and a green. And for those of you who don't know what scavenge does, like me, because I've never played with this mechanic, exile this card from your graveyard, put a number of plus one plus one counters equal to this card's power on target creature, and you scavenge only as a sorcery. Okay. Does it have to cost that much?
2: Yeah, five is a lot. It feels like.
1: I I will admit that this is the first time I'm actually running into like scavenge as a mechanic. Uh,
2: there's probably a reason. It's not very good. It's definitely one of those like pet mechanics that people try to make work. Yeah. It just doesn't at the common level, at least.
3: Yeah, you
1: mean like life gain, Brad?
2: Hey, that works. I have won a game with it.
1: No, I'm just I'm just teasing. But uh, yeah, this this seems okay. It seems like a draft could. Again, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. A a black, green commander that cares about plus one, plus one counters. Although I guess new downshift would care, right?
0: Right, That um the lotleth troll. I think with something like this, while the effect itself is kind of lame, you have to really evaluate it on what else is going to trigger off of these actions. Unfortunately, you're going to lean back to Tormod and uh, (laughs) something green, where like, yeah, you're able to create an extra zombie, put three counters on something, and it's really just a piece in a larger machine and never really going to stand on its
2: own two feet. I think that's a good way to put it.
0: But I do like it with Lotleth Troll. I think that's pretty cool to be able to put that on the troll, get those three counters from something when you're running out of auras in in black or green to kind of build it up. You can discard this too. Right, yeah. Discard for a counter, scavenge for three more.
1: So I'm I'm looking at scavenge now in Scryfall and I am in fact running a single scavenge card. I am running Bannerhide Khrushok in Mowu, but I'm not running it for scavenge. I'm running it for the Reinforce.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Next up, Another Golgari card, Glow Spore Shaman, uh, just a green and a black for a 3-1 Elf Shaman, so Elf, somewhat relevant creature type. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, you mill 3, and then you can put a land card from your graveyard on top of your library. I mean, this just goes in the Golgari self-mill sort of decks, right? I guess you're hoping you, you mill your Dread Mangler so you don't actually have to draw it normally. Once, once again, this is just a, a part of the greater whole. If you if you want some uh, yeah. mill synergies, yeah. you can do it, but this is not really anything you're building your deck
2: around. I'm not a huge fan of putting lands back on top of my library in colors that can't instantly draw them, so you're not basically bricking your next draw step.
0: Is Elvis Rejuvenator at common, or is it still an uncommon?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's common.
0: Because I'm trying to think of, yeah, what are the effects that look at the... Yeah,
2: it's only ever been a common.
0: Oh, Perfect. Yes, uh, Elvis Rejuvenator, ETB, look at the top five, put a land card from among them onto the battlefield, tap. There's a couple effects, and I think we've been getting a few more that manipulate the top of your library to to look for a land card, but that amount of bending over backwards just to play a glow support shaman is probably not where you want to be. Right. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> you're probably only playing this for maybe the potential self mill and probably if you're in like Golgari Elf and you need one more elf. <laughs> yeah.
0: Our final card of the podcast, the last downshift, uh, 10th District Legionnaire. A red and a white 2-2 human soldier with haste and definitely not heroic. Whenever you cast a spell that targets 10th District Legionnaire, put a 1-1 counter on 10th District Legionnaire and then scry 1. This is pretty awesome in any of those heroic builds. It's a way for it to get bigger, but I really like that scry 1 as well. Um, We've seen white recently get creatures that on ETB will draw a card. Obviously strong, but not repeatable, um, unless you're running Mentor the Meek. But with something like this, we're getting Scry, which isn't as powerful, obviously, but it's still something that you can count on multiple times.
1: I think this is going to carry the Mono White Heroic deck that we have right now. I think it's going to kind of split that deck into two. We're going to have a Mono White Heroic and a, a Boros Heroic. Kind of like what some uh, Boros cards did to Modern Bone years ago, right? They split it into uh, Modern Red and and Boros. Right. I I am excited for it, but I'm excited for it for uh, completely different reasons besides play. I'm excited for the flavor. For those of you who don't know, the artwork on this is featuring uh, a character named Maleva, But you see kind of her story play out in the, the last Ravnica block. You have 10th District Guard in guilds, 10th District Veteran in Allegiance, And then two cards, Battlefield Promotion and 10th District Legionnaire in War of the Spark. And 10th District Legionnaire was the only one that was an uncommon. Uh, Now it's down to a common with the other three. And I'm just waiting for the inevitable uh, Maleva commander to be printed. And I'm really hoping when it is, it is an uncommon.
2: I would love to play this alongside like a Burning Prophet. The one that that gets pumped and you scry one every time you cast a non-creature spell. Also a Modern Horizons one card. All right. I think that
0: that wraps up all the cards that are downshifted, both uh, commanders and commons. To spring something on you guys, of the, the commanders we talked about at the top, which is the one that each of you is most excited to play around with?
2: Mentor of the Meek, yeah, and probably the Pontiff, you know, skipping the Haunt, Mm -hmm. the Haunt mechanic, probably the Pontiff. I love Anthem effects, I love one-sided board wipes, I love Orzov. you know, i probably mess with that first, although the Troll is very enticing.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely feeling the Troll. I've been trying to find the best way to build Thrun, (laughs) and then having the ability to do that at Common is is always fun, and I really like when I'm able to build one version of a deck in EDH and one in PDH, because then you find a lot of cross-synergy between the two.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: My Hamza deck is an EDH deck, but it's a budget $30. Mm. So a lot of the time it ends up using the same tech as pauper builds of it would. Because like with that cap and then finding the the sort of synergy that can exist at those lower levels is always what I, I really enjoy of the format
2: sure yeah I, I may lean more towards the troll just because it's hard to find a really really good two mana value commander and i think this one's going to be awesome yeah it's all
3: troll for me like, <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I like black and i like green and this is a like you said this is a very efficient commander so all troll pod when <laughs> eventually
1: just building off what you said Chev, uh just about the mm-hmm. lot troll and your, your comparison to thron i think people just need to take a look at their edh decks and just kinda of separate out all the commons, you will be shocked how many are in your deck. Cause a lot of people, when I'm introducing like my playgroup to PDH, just don't understand it. They're like, how could I play at that power level? It's so slow, it's so bad, it's you know, it's it's not what I'm gonna be playing. And I challenge them and they pull out like twenty, sometimes thirty cards that are commons. It's like you just don't realize. Any hex drinker listeners who are who are, you know, side eyeing PDH and are wondering why they're doing this episode, take your favorite commander deck and just count the commons.
3: Yep. The other thing is that I mentioned this earlier, but like you know, a lot of times people are like, "Oh, well, I don't want to use like all this draft chaff." I'm like, "Have you seen the average common nowadays? Right, it's pretty darn
2: powerful." Right. <laughs> we have Swift Spear. What are you talking about?
3: What What, what were the, uh, the
0: the big one? Um, I saw uh, Liam. You were you were super excited about it for Baldur's Legend uh, Deadly Dispute. Yes. <laughs> a common that's up to how much now again? I think it's like three or four bucks again.
2: Oh, no, it, it's dropped down significantly. Right before Commander Legends came out, it was push in five dollars now they're about a buck a piece i think it's just insane
0: play more pdh these are some good cards for pdh this has been the the pdh crossover power pod name pending thanks so much for listening everybody and good night see ya